0: This episode is brought to you by the members and donors of the Best of the Left podcast. For details on membership, visit the membership tab at bestofleft.com. Now, welcome to the Best of the Left podcast, clips today from The Colbert Report, This American Life, The Onion Radio News, Ring of Fire, The Daily Show, Le Show, and The Young Turks.
1: you know who else I find inspiring? The Pope. I mean, look at the twinkle in his eye. Suck it. My favorite thing about this guy is he is infallible. Though, I gotta say, a white robe after Labor Day. And at times, Popes have made mistakes in the past. Like in 1533, when Pope Clement VII lost this thing, um, what's it called? England! (laughs) Over Henry VIII's divorce from his first wife, Catherine of Aragon. Catherine had made two big mistakes. Not bearing him a male heir, and aging. (laughs) Anyway, Henry asked for a divorce, Pope said no, blah, 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 chop, chop, chop. Church of England. Well... These days, the Anglican Communion is in turmoil, folks. Conservatives in the church are in open revolt against their liberal leader, the Archbishop of Canterbury. He's like the Diet Pope. (laughs) And evidently, evidently, Dumbledore here (laughs) has approved the elevation of some bishops who are openly gay and some who are openly female. I mean, you can't have women and gays wearing clothes like this. That's guy stuff. Well, this past week... It's a good look. I'd be happy, too. This past week, when it looked like the Anglicans might splinter over the ordination of women, Pope Benedict swooped in. That's why he wears the cape. Hey. It allows him to swoop. He's like a flying squirrel. A flying squirrel who speaks directly to God. And the Pope made the Anglicans an offer
2: the vatican is inviting anglicans to join the roman catholic church the
1: vatican will allow descendant anglicans to join the catholic church and recognize the pope as their leader he will allow them to recognize him as their leader (laughs) that is so generous (laughs) and as if obedience to rome wasn't tempting enough the pope sweetened the pot
3: Under the new plan, those Anglicans can become Catholics while still maintaining some of their distinctive beliefs and practices, including the tradition of married priests.
1: Married priests. It's like the Catholics are the National League and the Anglicans are the American League. They'll all be playing the same game, only Anglicans will be allowed to have designated hitters. In that, the Pope has designated their priests can still hit that. (laughs) Now, very... Now some Anglicans and Episcopalians see this attempt to divide their church as divisive. But Fox News' resident priest disagrees. I look at this as the single most sign of Christian unity over the last 500 years. Father Cute Priest is right. (laughs) Nothing brings Christians together like excluding gays and women. (laughs) Well, here, folks, to no doubt accept the Pope's offer is Barnard College Professor of American Religious History, Episcopal Priest, and author of God in the White House, the Reverend Randall Balmer. Reverend Balmer, thank you so much for joining us. Alright. come on reverend on behalf of the catholics let me just say come on in the water's holy what do you say are you gonna, are you gonna take the pope up on his offer holy water is fine let's not drink the kool-aid so I, think you're, I think you're mixing your cults there well, but go ahead. Right. <laughs> what what what, what I, it sounds like you're not gonna come on over to the winning I, side
4: I, I don't think i will
1: no, no. why what is your reaction to I'm the pope's very offer
4: suspicious of any religious group or a social movement that defines itself in negative terms, says in effect, we don't like this, we don't like this, we don't like you, we don't like you. If you agree with our prejudices, you're welcome. I think that's a wrong way to go about... Well, there is such a thing, any... thing as sin, sir. There
1: is such a thing as sin. I'm
4: sure, there's such a thing as sin.
1: But I just want to make sure, because I know the Anglicans are pretty liberal. I thought maybe they, <laughs> they got rid of sin. Soft on sin? No. Soft, okay. No.
4: Let's not confuse social and dare I say, political conservatism with the gospel. The gospel takes us in a different direction. Jesus welcomes us. Jesus doesn't keep people at arm's length. He opens his arms and he says, Come unto me.
1: Why not rejoin with the Catholic Church? I mean, the Anglican Church is shrinking in England. The Episcopal Church is shrinking in the United States. Why not jump on over into the lifeboat that the Pope is offering <laughs> you? I'm sure there are no strings attached. I mean, this is, this is for dissidents who are not paying attention to their authorities. I'm sure they'll get along great with the Pope.
4: This is a, I, I think this is a very cynical move on the part of the Pope. Uh, you look at uh, the cynical, Catholic Church in, what way? in, in North America with uh, not enough priests, parishes clo- closing down. Uh, he's trying to, to, uh, to uh, get a lifeline, trying to, try to get new people into the church, but he's defining it negatively. And that, I think, is no basis for the gospel. The gospel is very positive. The gospel is good news. It's not negative. Well, any, the pope's saying
1: anyone who will agree with what he says is welcome. That's very inclusive. <laughs> That's what I love about the Catholic Church is all you have to do is agree with Peter, and all is well.
4: But is it the gospel? And I don't think it's the gospel. The gospel is inclusive. The gospel doesn't leave anyone aside. There have
1: to be laws, sir. There have to be there laws. There have to
4: be laws. Sure, there have to be laws. But if you look at Jesus throughout his ministry, constantly, if you read the New Testament, as I'm sure you have, uh, constantly Jesus is saying that love trumps the law he opens his arms, he invites those who are weary and heavy laden, those who are wounded, and somehow through the miracle of grace he makes us whole.
1: But why has the Episcopal Church and the Anglican Church in England gotten so liberal that they will elevate, I mean it's one thing to welcome, but to elevate gay priests and female priests? What I, I mean, worry why not about... come over to the Catholic Church where there are no gay priests? No, of
4: course. <laughs> I, 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 I... <laughs> what I worry about in this discussion is that if I had been alive 60 years ago, or 160 years ago, when the issues of the day were segregation and slavery, would I be quoting the Bible to justify my support for segregation and slavery? The same principle applies here. Well,
1: sir, I want you to know I quote the Bible to justify anything I think. <laughs> if you want to quote the Bible here anytime, you're welcome. Thank you so much. Reverend you.
5: one, it's fun to make hell on earth. In 1999, documentary filmmaker George Ratliff read about a church in Cedar Hill, Texas, which is a suburb of Dallas, that was staging a recreation of the Columbine Massacre. That church, Trinity Church, was putting on a haunted house called Hell House. They've been doing it every year for years, each Halloween. The Columbine scene was just one scene of about a dozen. There was also an abortion scene. There was a scene where a gay man dies of AIDS. In a scene where a mom meets a man on the internet and then deserts her family for that man. In each scene, a demon eggs on the sinner. The demon is right there, egging on the bad person. And the point is, the devils are around us, trying to trip us up every day. Sin is real, the devil's real, so you better get right with God. George Ratcliffe made a film about it, and he agreed to pull some of his footage to play here on the radio for us. Here he is. I showed up at Hell House
6: with my cinematographer friend, Jawad Metni. We're herded around the place with a group of 40 teenagers clinging to each other and laughing nervously. A large man dressed in a black hooded robe and a skeleton mask is assigned to our group as our tour guide.
3: There's a lot of people here. You're going to step as much to the front of the line as you can. Follow me.
6: We line up against the back wall of the Columbine school scene, which is basically just a room with a card table stacked with books and a few school desks scattered around. Among a dozen or so student actors, two squeaky clean church girls sit at the card table talking. Behind them, an angry demon, also dressed in a black robe and mask, paces back and forth, wringing his hands their conversation tried? about Shakespeare turns to Carrie's recent conversion to Christianity she says she used to hate her parents and especially hated God I'm a Christian now she says that's why I'm always so happy yeah
7: I'm a Christian
3: now that's why I'm
8: so happy well let's see how
9: happy you are
6: two teenage boys in black trench coats explode into the room followed by another demon To my surprise, the boys are waving real handguns and real shotguns as they charge through the scene, kicking over tables and chairs. The whole scene is so violent that you forget about everything that reminds you of a bad high school play. And what makes it scary is the look of real teen angst on the shooter's faces as they cock and aim their guns at the heads of all the cowering students. You can see how they love waving around their firearms. And part of what's so shocking is you wonder who are the good church-going adults who came up with this idea and helped the kids finance and organize and stage this. Remember we're filming just six months after the real Columbine killings. One of the trench coat boys grabs Carrie, the Christian girl, by the hair Do
2: you believe in
8: God? Yes I said you God! Yes, I believe in God!
6: After the boys shoot Carrie in the head, the demons perform their final task Taking the boys on to kill themselves Then the lights turn to strobes, the music swells, and a teenager in a white choir robe enters.
8: It's Jesus.
6: He's come for Carrie, the Christian girl. The shooters are dragged up to hell, kicking and screaming and pleading to Jesus for a second chance. But he doesn't give it. Then our tour guide reappears he shuffles us off to the next room, the family violence scene, as another group of 40 shuffle in. Two days later, Jawad and I went home to New York and watched what we'd filmed. We were both a bit shaken up by what we'd seen. I grew up in Amarillo, Texas, where one of the only ways to meet girls was to go to Christian youth meetings. And there were so many. There was Young Life and K-Life and Campus Crusade and Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Not to mention that every one of the hundreds of churches had their own youth groups, hustling out to schools to compete for an ever-decreasing number of unsaved souls. I honestly thought I had heard every evangelical Christian trick in the book. But Hell House was different. The special effects and the music and the real guns and the crowds and crowds of people lined up to get in. I'd never seen anything like it. So in August of 2000, we went back to Cedar Hill.
10: There's 30 people in the room, and you are in hell, and you're burning. So let's have some...
5: Um,
6: Two months before Hell House opens each year, they have auditions at the church. The casting directors sit at a long table in front of a stage. One after another, nervous kids read for the drug dealer, the satanic worshiper, the school shooter, or the abusive father.
3: It's your own fault! And what if you were pregnant? Do you really want to be your own sister's mother?
6: The girls all want to be the suicide girl or the abortion girl because those are the roles where you get to scream and cry and emote the most.
7: I should have gotten away from you the second that you started drinking. This is all your fault!
5: That's good.
10: Oh, wow. That was phenomenal.
6: Nearly everyone wants to play a sinner. Nobody wants to play a saint. Not one person auditioned to play Jesus or an angel role. Maybe it's just more fun to be evil on stage than good. Maybe playing a church-going, God-fearing Christian is just not that interesting if you are a church-going, God-fearing Christian. The organizers usually have to go out and recruit some hapless kids to play the good Christian roles. Every day for six weeks, as many as 75 volunteers will show up to help build Hell House. It's an enormous construction site that they have to tear down and rebuild every year. There are people everywhere, carrying wood, swinging hammers, and painting signs. An enthusiastic volunteer named Thad Trober took us on a quick tour during construction. We'll
11: come back in here. The crucifixion is going to be right here. Coffins. Coffins are going to end right here and the people who are watching are going to be looking right down in seeing people trapped and give them a sense of entrapment themselves i really i really want to emphasize that more than anything in here like there's no absolutely no escape
6: and then we arrive at the room that's thad's baby this is the rave slash suicide scene thad who wears a goatee and techno clothes anything has, anything has seen what broken. goes on in raves firsthand no the what sex the drugs the alcohol there times when I've left back raving. in the old days Literally. before he was a christian uh, to thad told us that now, he'd only gone and to raves exactly to hear the music bit, but, but then you know, it became too to hard for him to ignore what was going on around him so he had to stop raving. Uh, but now every October, Dad gets to create his own rave at Hell House. It's gonna look pretty cool. We're just like all the other scenes. We're gonna have some plastic down each wall, but there will be a DJ, uh, which I've played the last couple years. We'll have a uh, you know makeshift turntable area. I don't know if I'll use these lights. i yeah, I'll probably stick some uh, black lights up, and that'll be great. And I'm actually thinking about renting a, a, a water tank. You know, have
0: someone underwater dance or something. Something neat every year. Mm-hmm. It's not within the nature of man to lose. God created us to win.
6: Before Hell House opens in early October, Tim Ferguson brings everyone together for a pep talk. Tim has an intensity about him that reminds you more of a football coach than a minister. He squeezes the microphone and stares at a room full of church kids. Behind him, three young men are noodling backup music on their electric guitars.
0: And there's a war, and there's a battle, and there's a competition, and there's a serious game where life and death is at stake. It's not just you lose and you go home. We're competing for lost souls. And we're going to win. We're in this to win. We're not in this just to go through it, just for something else to do. I don't need something else to do. Okay. And just when everyone's getting really worked up, to to
6: they start speaking in
0: tongues.
6: Trinity Church is an assembly of God church, which is a branch of the Pentecostals. Pentecostals are known as the church that speaks in tongues, and they're the fastest-growing Christian church in the world. They started less than 100 years ago in Los Angeles, and they've always been able to put on a good production for large audiences. They were the first church to use electric guitars, one of the first to break into TV evangelism, and the first to think of Hell House. Hundreds of teenagers are lined up to go into Hell House. It's a pretty diverse crowd. Large groups of Hispanic and African-American kids mixed in with the suburban white crowd, all paying $7 each for a ticket. It looks to be the same demographic as at Six Flags, but in fact, most of these kids have been bussed here by youth leaders from the area. Once they get inside, they see kids committing suicide, being killed by drunk drivers, and being sacrificed to the devil. In a hospital scene, the abortion girl sits in a pool of fake blood. She's wearing white sweatpants, and her crotch is completely soaked in red.
4: Do you have a tour guide in there?
6: Next to her, a gay teenager dies over and over over from AIDS. He dies every seven to ten minutes, every night, for three weeks straight.
5: This is Steve. He thought his homosexual lifestyle was everything a real man could want. But now he's dying of AIDS. Steve, I'm right here. I'm not going to (laughs)
9: leave. Why is this happening
6: to me? I can't it just be old? Outside the house, in an area visitors don't have access to, I ran into a group of performers that had just knocked off from their shift of being tortured in Hell. It's obvious they've been having a good time. I asked them what was the most fun scene in Hell House. School
11: shooting? Yeah, school shooting's the best. No, it's not. it is. the race.
9: The race scene's the best, because you get to dance. Hey,
6: what's up? Your
7: name?
6: I'm Jessica. Jessica, I'm yeah. Ted. Uh, Even though you get to dance, the rave scene does not end well. The girl in it sips her I spike understand. drink, freaks this. out, gets gang-raped, and ends up killing her out, herself after admitting that her dad had molested her as a child.
9: How, how you like it? Woo. Good stuff in it. Come
11: on.
6: So once a group of visitors makes it all the way through the gory scenes, they come to what is called the
5: decision room. How y'all doing? Can I get your line up over here, please? Yeah, straight line as possible. Okay, as you saw in each scene, someone died. They went to either heaven or hell. If you were to die tonight, do you know where you will go? Or do you think that you know? If this is you, I want to ask you to step through the door. There are people in the next room waiting to pray with you now. We have six seconds. Five
6: seconds. Of the 40 people in this group, about 10 go to pray with the counselors. The, to do? the 30 others are Stay held here back here a minute, and then they're marched to the exit. Done, but it turns right out that the damned have to exit to the through the same door as the door. saved. No
3: one was tugging There's only
6: door. one exit, and it's on the other side of the room of crying yeah, and praying seconds. Christians and counselors. The 30 shuffled through guiltily with their heads down, trying not to catch anyone's eye. About 13,000 people went through Hell House this year alone. Trinity Church claims that as many as one out of five people that go through Hell House become Christians or recommit themselves to the church. If you ask the teenagers at Hell House straight up that they have fun pretending to shoot their classmates or do drugs at a rave, they're all good Christian kids and know better than to admit that they enjoy themselves. Our goal is to save souls and make money for the church, they'll tell you. And they'll mean it. But Hell House is the biggest event of the year for Trinity Church. After three weeks of performances, after Halloween comes and goes, the kids all get dressed up to the nines for an event that is the equivalent of prom night for them. They call it the Hell House Oscars. On stage at a podium, in front of a table of Oscar-like trophies, presenters banter and give awards for for Best Tour Guide, Best Abortion Girl, Best Drunk Driver, Best Gremlin, and Best Archangel. Remember, three to six teenagers play each part in the house.
9: This year's... Suicide ward goes to... Liz Simmons! Come on now!
6: Liz Simmons, in a floor-length gown, pluckily hops out of her seat, hugging friends, waving to photographers, and makes her way to the stage.
5: Well, I couldn't have done it without my rapers, so thank you, Brent and David. And I just want to say, it was really an honor to do this part. At first, I was real uncomfortable with it, you know, when I heard that I was going to have to be raped, and I was like, okay, what's that going to be like? But it ended up being a lot of fun, and... <laughs> okay, wait, I didn't say that right. <laughs> no, I just really got to, got to meet a lot of people that I didn't know, and I had a... Oh. <laughs> okay, this is only getting worse.
6: She lifts her fake Oscar and walks off stage. In the dozen years since Trinity Church invented Hell House, the idea spread all over the country. No one knows how many Hell Houses are out there now, but a church in Colorado has sold over 500 Hell House franchise kits with layout designs, scripts, and a video for $200 each. Let's give a big hand to Mr. Jonathan Parker, the winner of the School Violence Director's Award. These church kids aren't supposed to drink, they aren't supposed to party or sleep together, but tonight they glitter like sinners. Unlike the real Oscars, no one complains that this ceremony lasts too long.
1: I had a great time with all of my suicide girls. I got to act with every single one of you almost every night.
5: George Ratwiff, you can find his movie Hell House online at hellhousemovie.com. The church George mentions in Colorado has now sold over 800 Hell House starter kits, to churches in every state and in 24 countries, as well as to secular theater companies in New York and Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, Bill Maher played The Devil.
3: Yeah, well, I ran down to the levee
9: The devil called
8: God checks into the Mayo Clinic for a routine physical. It's the Onion Radio News. This is Doyle Redland reporting. The Lord Almighty arrived early this morning at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota for his semi-millennial checkup. Walking without assistance and accompanied by his only beloved son, Jesus, God looked considerably younger than his 14.5 billion years. Clinic spokesman, Charles Grantley.
10: For an all-powerful being of his age, he's in great shape, but it's important
0: to keep an eye out on his uh, colon, his heart. You know, we want to keep on top of things.
8: In 2003, doctors treated the Lord for several planet-sized kidney stones and removed a growth from his face that was later diagnosed as Australia. Doyle
4: Redland for The Onion Radio News.
6: Life is a
9: Is the conservative freaks want to? uh, They want to rewrite the Bible, as you know. They want to take all any mention about uh, liberals out of it. It's just like they have gone on this crazy jihad since right. january it's it's almost uncontrollable i i'm wondering what they would do to revelations uh you know they're going to keep that in or are they going to mention the fact that you know when if john wrote it on potmos that it's questionable whether he was even sane at the time and it's right. also they might also mention that uh you know most people that looked at it said well we don't even want to include it in the bible which it's, it's just just too weird
11: well, if they did eliminate it altogether, they'd actually be doing us all a favor, because uh, the, the early church knew that this book was too strange, too hot to handle, and they didn't want it in the canon. And In fact, until about the year 400, it wasn't included. And even now, the the uh, historic church, the Greek Orthodox church, going all the way back to the Byzantine Empire, does not read that book publicly. But, you know, I, I saw that weird news thing about these guys editing the Bible, and um you know, logically if they really want to cut everything that they would regard as liberal, they should start with the four gospels because the right. new the New Testament itself doesn't belong in a Bible that reflects what we now believe are conservative values. Of course I think that true conservatism of the kind that for instance, you know, William F. Buckley talked about has room for the for the New Testament, but the kind of wacky right wing, anti government, anti everything uh, lie-based conservatism of today—you know the death panels. Yeah, not it's not conservatism, Frank. It's fascism. Yeah, it is. Oh, it it is. Know. And and essentially, these folks really should get rid of the New Testament altogether because obviously the whole basis of not just liberal democracy, but what we regard as a, as a welfare state, health care for all, right. taking care of the indigent, is, is traceable back into the New Testament ethos that, that uh, Western to, civilization comes from. So they need to get rid of that, because that's, that's the kind of thing that's inspired people like Barack Obama to do what he's doing. They'd ha-
9: certainly have to remove, remove the Beatitudes. Sermon on the Mount would go, uh, you know, most of Matthew would go, because it talks about our responsibility as Christians. Well, look, l- let me ask you something. Let, let me get to this issue. about, uh, you know, you had Jerry Jenkins, Tim LaHaye, they came out with this left-behind mania, uh, 16 novels, It sold tens of millions of copies all over the. It's end of times cult is what it is. In other words, I call it dominion, you know, I guess the nice word is dominion Christianity, and that is the world's going to end, so what the hell, let's, you know, destroy our environment. Uh, Who cares if the Arctic melts? Uh, Yeah, who cares if we're in war in Iraq? We want that because these are people that are waiting, sitting on their hands for the world to end.
11: Yeah, they are. And, you know, um, there's a, a book of mine following up the memoir you and I talked about last time I was on the show Crazy for God, and I right. have a book called Patience with God, and, and I've devoted an entire section called Spaceship Jesus Will Come Back and Whisk Us Away because I think that, um, and by the way, it's in, in a section of the book, uh, this book Patience with God, Faith for People Who Don't Like Religion or Atheism, and I've devoted a whole section of this book called Where Extremes Meet. And one chapter in that book, Spaceship Jesus Will Come Back and Whisk Us Away, I talk about the fact that whatever their intentions were, this kind of weird profiteering on eschatology or this end time stuff is more or less like throwing gasoline and a lighted match into a daycare center because our country already is so unstable and volatile with the lunatic fringe that, of course, by stirring in this apocalyptic element where, for instance, war in the Middle East is seen as a good and desirable thing because it'll hasten the return of Christ or where there's this rampant speculation about Obama being the Antichrist and maybe that fulfills something. You know, bad news is good news to these people. They they want the end. They're, yeah. They are ready to just go to a hilltop, wait for Jesus, and allow the rest of us to burn. So.
9: And in I the don't... meantime, in the meantime, though, though Frank, really, they're they're in this small, capsuled world where they hate the federal government. They're the right. enemy. Uh, the end is near. Secular society is their enemy. Arts, their enemy. Learning's their enemy. Culture's their enemy. Education's their enemy. Right. They're in this 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 capsule, ready to go, aren't they?
11: Yeah, and and you see the extremes of this at military funerals, where you've got these crazy standing on the sidelines, screaming, "God hates fags," and wanted your son dead, right. or your daughter dead. They They think that's justified by the fact that God must be judging this country because it no longer measures up to their idea of what morality or or government should be. So they've rejected the whole thing. And of course, the supreme irony for me, I'm 57 years old, is I can remember back in the 60s and 70s, the scuttlebutt was that the left with its anti-Vietnam protests was anti-American and treasonous and flag burners and all the rest of it. And of course, now... What you see is that the real party of anti-American fervor that just hates this country as it is and wants to see God destroy it is coming from the right. And these are the same people that in other instances wrapped themselves in the flag and claimed to be, as Sarah Palin kept saying, the real America.
9: Frank, hasn't the right, watch this in the next couple of months because it's already started developing you have people that understand that this is destroying Barry Goldwater, Ronald Reagan, right. uh, kind of conservatism. It's not conservatism. There's no description other than just weird fascism. That's what it is. I mean, it's Yeah, the but truth, you know, so- the,
11: Re- the Republican Party and what you'd call the more moderate voices in, on, on the right are totally stuck. Yeah, they're Because out of- the, the open and dirty little secret is that without the votes of the far right, the rabid religious right, the people that kept George W. in power for eight years, you know, without that bedrock of support, you know, the people that Dick Army can call out on a on a moment's notice to scream somebody down, mm-hmm. yell them mm-hmm. down at a town meeting. Yeah the foot soldiers that, that you know, ran around doing the bursar thing. You take those folks out of the mix and there's nobody left. Well, let and me ask you
9: something. What, what they've developed is this apocalyptic rapture cult, as you right. describe. And anybody that's in the Republican Party right now has got to see that, it, 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 talking about end of times, it is the end of times for the Republican Party, if they don't get this under control. Because, yeah, it is. I mean,
11: uh, it, you know, you, people say this analogy is extreme, but it really isn't. Uh, what we've really got in our country now with the far right the religious right that has taken over the Republican Party and certainly put it in fear of speaking up against it egged on of course cynically by the Rush Limbaugh you know Fox News Glenn Beck's of this world but the fact of the matter is those bedrock foot soldiers are literally living on a different planet they're no longer in the facts based reality based community in fact to them facts are suspect if you Talk about the Earth maybe being older than six thousand years, or if you talk about the fact that maybe sex education prevents pregnancy, if you talk about the fact that gays aren 't trying to take over the world, you know all these or kind that of we should myth- take
9: or that we should take the care of the least of our society
11: <laughs> right or that maybe health care is a good thing for children well, and, well, and and all the rest of it they they essentially have completely bought into an alternative view of reality. I mean, it used to be that Republicans and Democrats could sit down and argue about how they would best deal with the facts, but they all agreed on the same fact. You know, for instance, the Soviet Union's there. They have nuclear weapons. They want us dead. How do we deal with it? Do we build more? Do we go to peace negotiations? But if if you want to use that analogy today, it would be as if one side was claiming that there was no Soviet Union and that in fact, you know, our real danger comes from outer space. Ship all systems are
0: the members of the Best of the Left podcast are the wind beneath my wings. Their donations of as little as $5 a month are what allow me to keep this show on a steady schedule twice a week instead of just once as it has been in the past. In return, members receive access to the Best of the Left raw feed where they receive all of the clips that end up in the show, plus bonus material that doesn't make the final cut. And content in the raw feed is delivered in its original video format when available. If you appreciate the service that this show provides, please consider signing up for a membership at
5: FestivalF.com.
3: A
2: fascinating story from the world of religion the Roman Catholic Church is trying to attract new members by reaching out to disillusioned Anglicans. The Vatican's move comes in the context of a long history between it and the Anglicans. In 1534, King Henry VIII formed the Anglican Church after Pope Clement VII refused to grant him a divorce from Lindsay Lowen. <laughs> WIKIPEDIA! <laughs> At the time of the rift, Pope Clement said, and I quote, uh, they'll be back. <laughs> well, guess what, Clement? Cardinal Bartolo owes you 50 lira and a flagon of mead, which, as you know, was a delicious drink of honey wine brewed in the anus of dragons. <laughs> Wikipedia! The move is aimed at Anglican conservatives at odds with their church over the election of female and gay bishops. Wow! So a 500-year-old feud over divorce is being resolved by a lingering 21st century bigotry towards homosexuals. The Vatican announced changes today that will make it easier for them to convert and even pledge to welcome Anglican priests who are married. Oh boy. (laughs) Well, that should go over very well with priests who have been celibate for all these many years now. (laughs) So how have Anglicans are going to be responded to this poaching from the Catholic Church? To do the, Catholic
12: church? the people who are approaching the Roman Catholic Church are no longer uh, Anglicans, no longer part of the Anglican Communion. Uh, they are uh, uh, seeking a, a new church home, and of course we say uh, God bless you as, uh, as you seek that uh, place for your journey.
2: God bless you as you seek that place for your journey. I believe that's Anglican for go f*** yourself. <laughs> for more, we're joined by senior religion correspondent John Oliver. John, nice to see you. It's good for you to be here tonight. It's it's good to be here. You're you're one of the favorites. Uh, Uh, John, (laughs) this is very controversial here. The Mm -hmm. Catholic Church seemingly willing to abandon a central tenet of their faith just to grow the congregation, to grow the
7: flock. And uh, the problem is what here, John? This is a classic case of the theological free market in action. The Catholic Church sees an opportunity to win market share from a competitor. But, 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 <laughs> how does
2: saying, come to the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. we're the church that won't have female or gay priests. Whoa, 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 whoa.
7: In- openly gay. Openly gay, John. <laughs> that is a very important distinction. I, I, I understand, but how does that help broaden Catholicism's appeal? Well, it's not so much broadening as deepening. Having analyzed their consumer psychographics, they're using behavioral targeting to double down on their brand identity. And to be honest, John, I can think of some other religions that could maybe use these techniques to expand their dwindling customer base. Uh, Is
2: that a... uh got a reference to Jews well, a...
7: would it help if I just explicitly repeated that sentence and inserted the word Jews into it not for nothing John you people that's right I said you people <laughs> you, you people we're, need we're to look. To it you, <laughs> you people need to look at your product line and ask what exactly are we offering here I mean your big holiday Hanukkah in essence celebrating fuel savings you, <laughs> You have you have your New Year's and then a week later your Day of Atonement. It makes it so you can't even enjoy your New Year's Eve. Oh, I don't want to do this, uh, or I have to atone for it later. I don't want to do <laughs> this, or maybe I have to atone for that later. Oiga boiga, oiga boiga. What am I to do? Oiga boiga, oiga boiga. Oiga boiga. What am I to do here? Yeah, well. In the context
2: of the larger points that we're uh-huh. making, those are finally, uh-huh. I, I do have to object to the idea that, that we say oiga boiga.
7: That is, that is 100% I don't, how you sound. I don't,
2: I don't think we oiga boiga.
7: That's how you're sounding to me now, that's all I'm hearing from is you now, is oiga boiga, oiga boiga. That's what I'm hearing. All right, the point is that Catholics are being more aggressive, John. There you go. That's the, same, that's the that? same as how you introduced me to me. All right, the, it, the, the Catholics are being more, <laughs> more aggressive. And it works every day for cell phone companies. Like, like, like you like. could learn, that's right. <laughs> what I'm saying is you could learn a thing or two from the Catholics what? and their cell phone transactions. I'll, I'll show you. Um, uh, hello Mr. Stewart, uh, it's lovely to be talking to you this evening.
2: What, what are you doing?
7: May I ask who your primary spirituality
2: provider is at
7: this time?
2: <laughs> I'm busy right now, I can't really uh, take the
7: call. What, what? Busy doing what, Mr. Stewart? What are you busy doing?
2: We're having dinner. You caught us in the middle of dinner. So oh,
7: really? Eating's nice, isn't yes. it? Eating I'm dinner's nice. You. What is it that you're eating, exactly? We're
2: just having a, a little brisket. And
7: brisket, gotcha. <laughs> there you go. Judaism, terrific. lot of heritage with Judaism. Uh, can I ask you, Mr. Stewart, are you happy with the service you're currently getting? <laughs> when did they hire the
2: Cristrati to do the... Uh... I'm,
7: I'm too deep in character to get that reference. <laughs>
2: Well, uh, uh, why, why am I satisfied with Judaism? Uh, the, uh, the food is delicious. Uh, uh, on the flip side, there is a lot of guilt, so... Well, uh, but
7: did you did you know, Mr. Stewart, that the Catholic Church can roll all that guilt over for you while completely freeing up your Saturdays? Did you know that? Are you, are you interested? Interesting, Mr. Stewart?
2: I could have the whole Saturday which uh, actually that I mean that does have appeal it's a college Boom that's day.
7: how quickly it happens I just closed you I just closed you down and the point is it's even easier to go from the Anglican to the Catholic Church especially since Anglicans will still be able to perform their own rights. It's like saying not only are you switching to a more reliable provider but you get to keep your phone number.
9: What you described really before the break—it's—it's almost—it's all—it's—it's it's almost a process that these apocalyptic rapture cult types have done. What—what what it is—is is make it up as you go right. biblical interpretation. In other yeah. words, what—what what is expedient for the Republican Party? What is it that it, that Fox News would like? What is it that we—that we, that we want to claim is our political ground? You take the Bible and you fit in the pieces according to what you want.
11: You see right, exactly.
9: So, so at this point, it's. It, it, what's happened is they've bastardized the Bible. I mean, we're not even talking about the same, I mean, Revelations, for example, how many interpretations have you heard of Revelations? I mean, read left behind, as you point out, 16 novels. What in the, I mean, they got, they got left behind games. They got left behind yeah, posters. There. It's, it is, it is creating this cult and it is furthering the craziness of that cult to where we have this ubiquitous thing. We don't even know what, what it is called religion.
11: Yeah, and and the thing is it's crossed a line here from which there's no return. And when you realize that people like Fox News and and these other guys are cashing in on this, I mean, literally it's like selling candy to the village idiot. I mean, Mm -hmm. essentially what we've got is a cynical group of people, highly paid people, in certain aspects of the right-wing media who know that it's over, but who are making a buck on the way through. You know, I think if you could get into Rush Limbaugh's head, for instance, A, he would not be a fundamentalist Christian. B, he would think these people were idiots, and C, you know, he's glad to cash his paycheck. And that, yeah. that's Well, OxyContin
9: and we all, the guy at least has, you know, he has some sense. I mean, the OxyContin, I, I, the Oxycontin years really did make him, I mean, I, I don't know if they're, right. I, I don't say this jokingly. I mean, I think there's more to that story, but even then he could think. Now, let me ask you something. You mentioned in this is incredible little quote, and I'm, I'm trying to understand it. You, you say in uh, when you talk about patience of God, and I've heard you say it before, that there's this deepening inferiority complex right. that the evangelical fundamentalist community suffers. Right. And so so what they do is all of this craziness manifests itself out of that. Talk to me about that. What, what, what did you mean?
11: Well, here's the thing. The evangelicals have so separated themselves from the reality-based community in this country. And let me add parenthetically here that anybody who reads Patience with God, Faith for People who don't like religion or atheism, and we'll see that I'm a practicing Christian. This is not some anti-religious rant. Oh, no, no, not all. In fact, I go after the atheist community, people like Dawkins and Hitchens and these other guys with both hands for being hypocrites because they're fundamentalists too in, in a lot of the ways they present things. But... That said, the fact of the matter is, the evangelical community has an inferiority complex the size of a barn door, and they hate this country for one reason. Well, well, They've excluded me. themselves from American history. They've excluded themselves from science, art, literature, music. They've excluded themselves from the company of people who depend on statistics and rational facts. And they, they, they basically are a faith-based, not not fact-based community, even when it comes to politics. And so they, you know, drive in the face of reality to the extent that they are embittered by people who would remind them that there's another way to see things.
9: Another thing, Frank, interesting point. And by, by the way, let me preface it with this. Everybody who knows Frank Schaeffer, knows your history, knows that you you, you come from a hugely religious, your father, uh, you know, evangelical preacher, you came up in the system, you understand it right. probably better than anybody I've ever talked to. So, And you're part of it. It's, you're certainly Christian, you certainly want Christianity to do well. So as we we talk about this. I think listeners need to understand that. But look, you, along with this idea that you say that there's a deepening inferior, inferiority complex that develops in that community, you also say the sick thing about it is you have some of these evangelical fundamentalists that are that are waiting for God to come to Earth and kill right. everybody that they disagree with, and while they watch it, you know, I suppose from heaven. Talk yeah, about in, that, including,
11: including by the way, the Jews and Israel. Of whom only a few, from their point of view, will be saved, quote unquote. And so all this friendship to Israel business from the evangelical right, all this Christian Zionism of people like Haggy and these others, you know, is essentially crocodile tears. Because what they're saying is, is you know, you you help us fulfill prophecy by dying, and we'll go to heaven and sit on the right hand of Jesus and rule the earth. So, it's it's insane. And 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 the the thing is, what I've said in other places, and I'll repeat here because it's worth saying, and I think we've got to get this through our heads. You know, sometimes I'm asked, well, how do you change these people's minds? How do you address this? And here's the answer. You don't. You treat these folks the way you would at a family picnic where, you know, one of our cousins, nice family here, but one of our cousins just is off his rocker. This is the village idiot. (laughs) The
9: crazy uncle.
11: Yeah. And and look, if he's over sitting in the corner smearing egg salad into his hair, you don't (laughs) meet him halfway by, you know, uh, shoving pickled onions up your nose. You you, you know, you basically say, poor old Uncle Harry lost it years ago. We'll be kind to him. It's a democracy. We'll let him have his say. But we're not going to move 1% toward him because this isn't a question of of parsing it or finding a third way or meeting them halfway. Look, you you can't meet somebody halfway who (laughs) is literally uh, crazy. So it isn't that these folks are insane, but they pretend they are in the sense that they have have embraced an ideology which is not reality-based. And – it, In a it, sense, you know, it's broken their Frank, brain.
9: Frank, isn't it also the idea of the 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 the, oh, the persecution complex? They want the persecution because the Bible says, you know, the, the, you're going to be persecuted. If you're a Christian, you're going to right. be persecuted. That, you know, that had relevance, I think, maybe, you know, 200 years ago, 300 years ago. Right. But now they're still looking for that thing to give them the rejection factor. Yeah, well, they're still trying to form. They're trying to formulate this thing that's so repulsive and so so goofy right. that of course they're going to be rejected because they're friggin' crazy.
11: Well, the ultimate irony is that as I as I put in the chapter there on this this whole return of Christ business that I analyze in Patience with God, the irony is that they were talking about being the minority and the liberal media elite pounding on them and Democrats, blah 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 blah, while George W. Bush was in office. So that you know, here you have Republicans have put an evangelical fellow believer in 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 the the White House. You've got you know them controlling both houses of Congress at one point. You've got the whole national agenda set by the culture war issues they're fighting. You know, whether from Prop 8 in California, which they won by the way, all the way through to Fox News. You know, being this highly rated channel because the 20 million idiots who, who support all these causes, this little minority in our whole country, but it's a big minority. In that context, these guys are saying, you know, we're being persecuted, nobody listens to us, we're out of power, the elite is manipulating our country, liberals and gays are taking everything over. You know, and it's a it, it, it it's a real departure from reality. And because they, they said with- all this while they were running the national agenda. Right,
9: right. And the, and the whole time, I mean, the real you know the as you as you point out, the semi-literate rubes that are behind all this right. understand that it's all about money in the end.
11: Well, hey, look at Dick Armey grabbing all the millions of dollars oh, as know. a lobbyist for yeah, the insurance industry, yeah. and then stirring these nutcases up. Right. People, people that, by the way, wouldn't be there if it hadn't been for my dad and I in the '70s and '80s you know as I talk about in my memoir
9: trying to do the right crazy for God exactly
11: and it's total hypocrisy because you get that they try to have it both ways be a victim and at the same time oh they love this game they're
9: they're in search of being a victim
12: Controversy in the United Kingdom over the Catholic Church coming out and saying, hey, y'all come in to the Anglicans, to the conservative Anglicans who are upset because the liberal side of the Anglican Church, the Church of England, has not only uh, approved uh, female priests, but female bishops and homosexual members of the church. Um, The Invitation issued by the Catholic Church says that they'll set up separate what they call ordinariates for the incoming conservative Anglicans and their married priests. They don't have to worry about a thing. A former head of the Church of England, the previous Archbishop of Canterbury, has uh, said he's very distressed by this, saying that this could damage relations with the Vatican they could have done it well apparently one of his complaints was that the Vatican only gave the Church of England two weeks notice but you know sometimes you got to do these things in a hurry because can't last forever
1: it's fall
8: and Catholic sit and pray has a great deal for you especially if you're Anglican join this week and your married priest gets in free benedict what are you doing <laughs> that's urban my theology auditor urban it's simple better deals mean more people can enjoy catholicism with christmas time coming up what could be better? Mm. Now's the time to bring your whole family into the church while this special offer lasts. But Benedict, married priest, you're killing me, Benedict. <laughs> Relax, Urban. We've been having special arrangements back since we made the Jews in Spain convert anything to get more people to try the world's best known church you know as well as i do urban once they pray they stay but benedict we can't afford to let married priests in what will the other priests say they won't say hand me the altar boy urban i'll tell you that folks especially anglican folks This offer won't last forever. It better not, Benedict. Get down to your local sit-and-pray parish this weekend before all the pews are filled. That hasn't happened since VJ Day. If you're an unhappy Anglican, start getting a good night's sleep under a blanket of comfort from the only church to win the coveted endorsement of Le Servitore Romano. Benedict, we own them. Bring your married priest in for our best offer in years. You're killing me, Benedict. See you this weekend. Remember, Catholic sit and pray beats any other church's offer, or your next religion is free.
10: let's go to Pat Robertson. Uh, he is aggrieved about the hate crimes bill that has been passed because it tries to stop hate crimes. And heaven forfend, we wouldn't want to try to stop that. Uh, now, you, as I've said 100 times on the show, you can have legitimate disagreement about the hate crimes bill and whether it punishes free speech. And, and and a lot of people have very good case against that and for that, et cetera. That's not the direction Pat Robertson has gone. Um, Let's see what he has to say about it. Clip number 11.
3: The noose has tightened around the necks of Christians to keep them from speaking out on certain moral issues. And it all was embodied in something called the hate crimes bill that President Obama said it was a major victory for America. I'm not sure whether America was the beneficiary. Ladies and gentlemen, your vote counts who you vote for. We have voted into office a group of people who are opposed to many of the fundamental Christian beliefs of our nation. And they hold to radical ideology and they're beginning to put people sharing their points of view into high office. And not only that, they now have control of both houses of Congress and they can put through whatever they want to. And that's what's happening. They're they're really at this point of time. Those who are conservative, I and mean, they're they're pillared as being right wing, obscurantist, fundamentalist, you know, so forth. There's so many uh, names that have been given over the years. But uh, the people who are standing for religious values, for the time honored biblical values of our nation, are being hooted down and. Uh, these things—they just one after another. It's just subtle, one after another, one after another, until uh, the liberties we have enjoyed aren't there anymore.
10: That's so amazing that you might be thinking, "No, way he has to be talking about the opposite, right?" No, no. What he's saying is the fact that Congress passed the hate crimes legislation, meaning that if you commit a hate crime against someone, that they're going to punish you for that. Uh, you know, and if in the middle of the hate crime you say, "Oh, you know, you do it because you're motivated by their race, uh, by their sex, by their sexual identity or gender," that that's a crime, right? So he's saying that that's terrible, that in fact it is against religious values to punish hate crimes. I mean, I, you almost can't believe what he's saying. So because he says it's a time honored religious value that we're trying to protect here. So what's that time honored re- religious value? Kicking somebody's ass who's gay? I mean, seriously, I don't understand what you're saying. But being able to shout out, you know, derogatory words towards homosexuals or whatever it might be in the middle of a physical assault, that's a time honored Christian value, biblical value? I mean, you heard him say it with your own you know ears there. You saw it with your own eyes. He says uh, they're trying to uh, paint uh, his point of view as a radical ideology. What would you call it? And uh, and he began with, "This is a noose around Christians' necks." Now that's strong language. But you get the irony of it. This is named after Matthew Shepard and James Byrd. Matthew Shepard was hung on a fence and died there. Okay, uh, you know, not hung by his neck, but a uh, you know, hung up to dry in in a matter of speaking on the fence. And then James Byrd was dragged behind a truck because he was black. These people were killed on hate crimes. We say, hey, let's punish those hate crimes. And they say, oh, no, if you punish the hate crimes, you're hanging a noose around Christians' necks. I guess they assume that their audience is so oblivious, so ignorant, that they couldn't possibly understand what the truth is so they say the exact opposite of the truth and hope that they get away with it and it looks like pat robertson has made a lot of money doing exactly that for a long time so maybe he's right to hoodwink his audience that way you know at least for his own profit and gain but if you listen to him i feel sorry for you you're getting the exact opposite of what's true
0: Thanks for listening, everybody. Now, I just ha- I have so much to say, but I-, I really think it's all pretty relevant and important and vaguely interesting stuff. So, I really appreciate anyone if you want to uh, stick around for the next few minutes to-, to hear what I have to say here at the end of the show. First of all, uh, just to cover a little bit of news, uh, thanks again to everyone who's uh, been purchasing the brand new Best of the Left iPhone and iPod Touch application. Uh, it's been doing well and it's just been hanging out in the top 20 there in the news category. Uh, positive reviews are continuing to come in people are, are saying good things about it so if you haven't picked it up yet go ahead and check it out and if you have picked it up and, and you've been playing with it for a little while uh, go ahead and leave a review in the iTunes store and let everyone know how it is you know what you think about it and so forth and you know besides positive reviews help it out in those in the standings there in, in iTunes and of course it's likely that you know by now that the one of the best features of that application is Straight up bonus content, stuff you're not going to get in the, in the regular show. Today's bonus content for all the app users is a great clip from uh, the Colbert Report, something it, it, doesn't, it didn't translate as well to audio. There's lots of visual elements to it, and it's, he does a great report about the Supreme Court dealing with a, a religious issue that, that came up in, in a case re- recently, and he does his segment The Word. I'm sure you're familiar. So it's a great segment. Check it out on the app. Second big news, I'm probably burying the lead here. Uh, Second set of big news, we made the podcast awards. The, The nominations were announced, and we got exactly what we were asking for. We were nominated in the political category, which we've done before, so that's not the most exciting thing. But we were also nominated at the very top of the page in the best produced category. That's one of those big umbrella categories that anyone can be nominated for. So it's very exciting that that we're listed right there at the top of the page, and and I'm really excited about the upcoming voting, which starts on Friday, November 13th. It's coming right up, so be ready for that. Podcastawards.com is where you go, and uh, the voting is very self-explanatory. So you just go and you vote for the best of the left, and you actually do that every day. It's, you know, I don't make the rules. Frankly, I wouldn't have it set up this way if it were up to me, but... The rules are you get to vote every day from the beginning to the end of the voting period once every twenty four hours and the voting this year is extended beyond you know it's normally about fifteen days of voting so it's a pretty long grueling process and this year it's actually going to the end of the month uh, because of the Thanksgiving holiday they wanted to extend it so it's it's like eighteen days so I just need everyone to. Take a deep breath and get ready for the long slog. Uh, Set an alarm for yourself to just you know, beep a little bit every day and remind you, gotta go vote at the podcast awards again. uh, I just saved a bookmark so that it's at the top of my internet browser so that I can just, oh yeah, I'll, I'll notice there every day. I'll just click on it, it'll be kind of mindless. Just click, vote, go on with your life. Now, of course, if you remember from the nomination period, we're we're actually going to be throwing our weight towards the Young Turks in the political category, and the reason for that is the Best of the Left has been nominated, uh, you know, several times for the pod. Uh, excuse me, for the uh, political category in the past, but we've never won, and it's always because there's this big national uh, radio show that has won every year, and I've checked out their show. Believe me, they're not our style. And to top that off, uh, you know, not only are they not just our style, this year, it's even worse, Rush Limbaugh is in the running in the political category. So we have to recognize the nomination period, that was just the primaries. This year for the general election, we're really hoping to get a strong candidate in there, and we're all hoping, at least I'm hoping, and I'm hoping that you'll join me in supporting the Young Turks as our general election candidate so podcastawards.com every day from friday the 13th through november the 30th vote for best of the left in the best produced category vote for the young turks in the political category we got to knock out those conservatives in that in that political category it'll uh it'll be a sweet win and a, and a bitter defeat depending on how things go okay so i know so much big news but uh and you know, I'm, I'm trying to keep this short. I always try to keep it short, and it's it's just tough. So hang in there with me. I promised in the last show I would tell the story of why the governor of Maryland, Martin O'Malley, uh, at a social event came up to me unsolicited, put his arm around my shoulder, and whispered something in my ear. Uh, so here here we go. So this event, this was a social event, was basically an award ceremony sponsored by my real job. You know, I work for a climate change nonprofit organization in in the D.C. area, and and the office is actually in Maryland, it's right right over the border from D.C. And so we were at this event, the governor was there, and it was my job, my personal job, uh, not just the organization, but I was the one holding the camera filming this event as there were speakers. Uh, giving speeches and so the last person to speak naturally was the governor and he spoke for about 20 minutes or so and during that speech he said something which I will not repeat because that's in essence what he came up and whispered to me about afterwards he uh, used what I guess in an extremely puritanical country might Barely, almost be considered a swear word. I totally don't consider it that at all. And, um, and so he used it very uh, casually and everyone laughed and there was nothing the least bit inappropriate about it at all. Um, But after he was done speaking and he kind of rejoined the crowd and I was getting ready to pack up my camera, he walked up to me and in a joking way said, you know, I really shouldn't have said what he said on camera. <laughs> wink wink, you know, chuckle chuckle, and uh, was which was his way of saying, you know, don't don't make me look bad, don't uh, don't spread that around everywhere. So, uh so that it was an interesting thing. And then for the rest of the night, he and I ended up being in the same conversation uh, a few minutes later and so I joked back that you know, this, this this politician, he's a slick he's a slick dude. He knows who to make friends with. You know, you really got to uh butter up the editor because it's the editor who really has all the power so that was my uh rubbing elbows moment in, in high-powered politics okay so now the show's running long i gotta stop i got more huge news to pass on but i'm gonna hold it for the next show because i i know you want me to keep it short and i try and so believe me come back next time i have huge news but it's going to have to wait. So, I just want to really quickly thank Kathy R who signed up for a membership on October 18th and Donna K who signed up for a membership on September 27th. Both of them signed up for a year membership in advance, which is awesome. That's, you know, it's just great to know that you not only do you want to support the show but you know you want to support it for a full year that you know, not, you're you not thinking about uh, backing out in, in just a month or two. So a uh, huge thanks to those members. Of course, members get access to the members-only raw feed where they get all the material that ends up in the show, plus a bunch of bonus content. It's all delivered in its original video format when available. And come on, you know, they know, everyone knows. They're what make the show keep going. Without the support of the members, the, you just wouldn't be hearing my voice on a Wednesday. That's just what would be happening. So that is it for today. You can support the show, of course, by becoming a member for a little less than five bucks a month, telling five friends, leaving five-star reviews in the iTunes Music Store for the podcast and the application, of course. You can stay connected between the shows by joining us at twitter.com slash bestoftheleft, facebook.com slash left. And, uh, you'll get all sor- sorts of great content there as well. As I post, uh, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to post throughout the week. Uh, this last week's been hectic, so, uh, hasn't, uh, hasn't been so active, but I'm trying. And then, uh, links to the music. If you're curious about what music is used in the podcast or you want to buy the music used in the podcast, check out the show notes on the blog and you'll link through to, uh, to all the music that's used in the show. So, coming to you from inside the Beltway and border, yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of Left podcast delivered to you every Wednesday and every weekend, thanks to the members and donors from bestofleft.com.
3: The light is before we will take you out any open door
4: This is not my life, it's just a fond farewell to a friend It's not what I